Okay, welcome to the second session of the study I call the tribulation. And here's the deal, I'm going to say it, uh, what I said last week. I, I need you, and obviously you're here tonight, but I need you to give me three sessions. There's ten. But you've got to give me three. And they've got to be the first three. Don't, don't mix it up. I'll give you the first and the twelfth. No, no. The first one, the second one, and the third one. Here's why. Because when you see what happens in the next week, it'll unlock the key. But you need today to understand what will happen next week because they stack on top of each other. So if you, um, if you don't give me three, I'm going to be upset with you. If you don't give me uh, ten, I'm still going to be upset. It'll just be a lesser version. So let's pray together. Father, I ask you tonight to open our minds to understand the Scriptures. That's what you do. That's what you did. You did that to your followers after the crucifixion. And I ask you that you would do that here tonight. Open our minds to understand the Scriptures. We're seeking to know you through the Word. So Holy Spirit, reveal the truth to us so we might understand who you are, what's happening, and what's going to happen. So we would prepare ourselves, the church, and prepare others who maybe still don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen. The tribulation. I'm going to use the same um, scripture in these next um, nine sessions, tonight and the next eight. And here is the scripture. It's Luke 21, and you've you got to understand where Luke 21 verse 33 comes from. Jesus has just spent that chapter revealing his return, um, the fig tree, what will be happening around his second coming. And at the end of that discussion, it's the Olivet Discourse. At the end of that discussion, Jesus says this, verse 33, heaven and earth will disappear. Let that sink in. That's not casual language. Everything you know about heaven and earth today is going to disappear. But my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. And don't let that day, what day? We're talking about his coming. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. It's a worldwide event. It's not a localized event. That day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. So keep alert at all times and pray. Pray that you would be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Pray. So I'm going to ask you a question, actually two questions tonight. Do you want to escape? And do you have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church? Because they're connected. Do you want to escape? Well, anybody with any common sense would say yes. Now here comes the first important point to move forward tonight. Here somebody's going to say to me, well, what about all those people that have lived between the, the church age from the time of Pentecost to now, the first 2,000 years or whatever time it's been so far? Why would you say to them, do you want to escape? Well, I'm going to show you tonight why that same thing applies to them that applies to us now. The same thing. Because there's two things that you are, when I say, do you want to escape? I'm asking you two questions. Do you want to escape the eternal separation from God in a place called hell? Do you want to escape that condition? Yes. And if you're alive when the church is taken away, would you like to escape the tribulation? Yes. I want to escape both. So whether somebody has predeceased us and dies before the tribulation, the question is still the same relevance. Do you want to escape God's wrath and judgment? Because God's wrath and judgment is going to come in the form of a tribulation, but that just precedes the wrath and judgment that comes in the form of hell and separation. So it's the same wrath and judgment. One of them will be experienced on the earth, and the other one will be experienced somewhere in a dark place called hell. 
Now, there's a second part to that, and I'm going to hold off on that for a few minutes. Because I said, what about those who live since the time of uh, Christ? Jesus' words are eternal. They are powerful. They come with a warning and a way to prepare ourselves for the day that we will meet God. So he uses in the English language, at least how it translates, these words because watch out and pay attention. Watch out. Now, somebody were to walk up to you and say, watch out. You know, you'd probably do that. You'd probably duck. You, you, would, you would understand there's, a, there's an urgency. And in this, he said, watch out. It's, it's a shout of urgency. You've got to pay attention to this. This is important. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my words are not going to pass away. Watch out. Pay attention. The revelation begins with Jesus telling the Apostle John to write down seven messages of seven churches. Do you understand? It's, a, it's important that you get this. Do you understand that the book of Revelations begins with Jesus coming to John and saying, I've got seven messages to seven churches. Write it down, John. It's, it's perhaps the only place in the Bible where it is written, it is written as Jesus speaks it, John writes it. As Jesus speaks it, John writes it down. Seven letters to seven churches. Does that mean something? It means everything. Before the tribulation, before the seven seals are broken, and there's your teaser for next week. Next week will be the beginning of what we're going to study in the tribulation. When the seven seals are broken on the scroll. Before the tribulation, before the seven seals are broken, Jesus gives clear instructions to the church how to escape the coming horrors. I'm going to read to you tonight, if you have ears to hear, clear instructions. They're not hidden. You don't have to have deep understanding to, to get it. Clear instructions as to how you and I can escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. The church needs to pay close attention to these instructions in order to escape the coming horrors of the tribulation and stand before the Son of Man. And secondly, the church and everyone in the world needs to listen, watch out, pay attention, so that you might escape the coming horrors of the wrath and judgment of God that will follow the tribulation in a place called hell. I want to escape the tribulation. So I watch out. And I read carefully the eternal words of Jesus. So here it comes. Tonight I'm telling you that the escape is the rapture of the church. The escape referred to in Luke 21 that I read to start tonight. The, pray that you would be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. That escape is a direct reference to the rapture of the church. And I ask you again, do you want to escape and do you have ears to hear? The rapture is our only escape from the tribulation unless you die before the rapture takes place and you're a believer. And I'm going to explain in a minute why I keep putting it that way. If you believe in the Bible, you'd be amazed how many people when you say rapture, they will immediately want to get into some kind of debate. I don't believe in a rapture. Rapture is not in the Bible. Well, the Trinity's not in the Bible either. There's a whole lot of words that aren't in the Bible. In fact, it might be surprising to some of you that they didn't speak English in the Bible. <laughs> if you believe in the Bible, you believe in a rapture. And if people will come to you and say, well, you know, the word's not in the Bible. It isn't in the modern English Bible, perhaps, but it was in the original Latin Vulgate. And the Latin Vulgate was the Bible used before before there were ever English Bibles anyway. And it's a word called harpazo. It is the Greek translated word harpazo. And it appears, I think, 14 different times in the New Testament. It is to take violent, be snatched apart, violently snatched, to be taken out of the hand. So this idea that the Bible doesn't speak of a rapture, you're just wrong. Maybe the word is not translated the same way. Maybe, okay, you don't believe in a rapture. Do you believe that you're going to be caught up? The question is this, and this is so important that you, important that you get it. 
People get caught up in this idea, I don't really believe in a rapture. Yeah, you do. If you believe in the Bible, you believe there's going to be a caught up event. That's not even the question unless you reject the Bible altogether. The question is whether or not you believe in people being left behind after the rapture. Now, that's a theological debate. But there cannot be a theological debate to being caught up because he says you're going to be caught up unless you just ignore the scriptures altogether. There are some who might disagree on some being left behind, but the rapture event is clear, it is certain, and I'm going to read it to you. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, when he says brothers and sisters, what's it mean? Church, okay, church. We want you to know what will happen to the believers. We're only talking about certain people here. We want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. Now, let me put it in context. Um, my grandmother was a believer. She died years ago. Paul says, I want you to know what would happen to your grandmother. Okay? I want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. I want you to know where grandma is and what's going to happen to grandma. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring grandma back with him. Now, I inserted that. Don't go looking that up. That's not in there either. <laughs> Listen carefully. Since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again. See, now, if you believe that, if you believe Jesus died and God raised him to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns to the earth, God will bring back with Jesus the believers who have died. In this illustration, Grandma. We tell, where's Grandma's body? Grandma's body's in the Corinth Cemetery, out near my home. But Grandma's soul is in heaven to be with the Lord. So when Jesus comes, the soul of Grandma's coming back. So why, why would she come back here? Because he's coming back. Listen carefully. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living. Okay, now there's the grandmas of past generations. There's the dead people in the graveyards. Okay, what about us? Those, we who are still living, when the Lord returns, by the way, it's the same event. It's not a separate event. When the Lord returns, we will not meet him ahead of those who have died. You're not going to get ahead of grandma. Okay. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And first, there's an order, the Christians who have died. Now, Grandma's coming back with Jesus, the soul, but where's the body? The Christians. Notice, only the Christians, some translations say the dead in Christ, only the Christians will rise who have died will rise from their grave. Why? So that body buried in that cemetery is going to rise. Why? Because she's coming. Listen, listen. It's the resurrection of the last day. It's the resurrection. It's, it's what the church is supposed to have all your life been waiting for. Christians who have died will rise from their graves. So... There's an eternal body going to rise, and as it goes into the clouds, behind Jesus is Grandma, and Grandma's going to go into an eternal body in the clouds, in, in the clouds, okay? Stay with me. That's first. Notice verse 17. Then, there's an order. Then, together with them, that's why I say it's the same event. Together with them, we who are still alive, and as of this moment, that's us, and remain on the earth, will be caught up. Now, now we're not, we don't have a body buried in a grave somewhere, and our soul is not in heaven. So we're not the grandma illustration, are we? So what about those of us who are still alive? On the moment that grandma rises and, and her soul returns with Christ. Together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds. And notice that's important because he says in the clouds. 
to meet the Lord where? In the air, not in Jerusalem. In the air. And here's the point that really makes it make sense. And then we'll be with the Lord forever. So when this happens, you'll never ever be separated from him again. So encourage each other with these words. These words about grandma and these words about you. Now, does that thought of that event taking place terrify you? Now, I've told jokingly for years, I live uh, on a hillside that looks over Corinth Cemetery. It's way over, pretty far away, but I can see the graveyard from my house. And I told my kids growing up this story. And I told my kids growing up that one of these days there's going to be a shout and a voice of an archangel and a shaking thing going on. And you're going to look over there and you're going to see, psh, psh, psh. you're going to see people coming up. And, and my kids would, mommy's doing it again. <laughs> you got to stop him because he's scaring us. So when I tell you that, does that terrify you? Or does that give you this heart pounding anticipation that everything I have ever hoped for in my life is coming to me. Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you'll not grieve like the rest of the world who has no hope. Because you got hope. Because you know what's coming. If you believe the Bible, you believe the day is coming. The rapture is coming. And by the way, the Jewish Feast of Trumpets, I talked about it last Sunday. Rosh Hashanah is Sunday night. It'll actually be Monday, but it begins at dark on Sunday night. And I'm going to say it again. Listen, church. The rapture of the church is our escape. This rapture is God's mercy for the church. This is God's mercy for the bride. Because what follows the rapture is horrible. Seven years of horrible. Pray that you be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. So the rapture is God's grace for his bride. The Lord does not plan for his bride to be violated before the wedding. The tribulation is the time when he will pour out his wrath and judgment upon the earth. And this is not God's plan for the bride of Christ. And I want to read two different scriptures. The first one I'm going to read from the New American the second one is the same scripture from the New Living Translation. Is the church going to be on the earth during the tribulation? Is the church going to be on the earth for the first half of the tribulation? Some people have different views, okay? It's all right. From the New American Standard. And when I say New American Standard, it is the most um, Specific word-by-word -word translation. It's the scripture that I study from if I'm really studying. Uh, I like to read the NLT, but I study from the New American Standard. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that us is the church. He has not destined us for wrath. He's not planning, us, planning on us going into the tribulation where his wrath and judgment is poured out upon the earth. Number two, let's read it from the New Living Translation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger upon us. Christ died for us, so whether we're dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Now here comes tonight's centerpiece uh, key, at least how I see it. Whether you're dead or alive when he returns, you can live with him forever. Whether you're dead or alive when he comes, you can live with him forever. Remember, I just read you the scripture about grandma, she's in the grave, and we're still alive. So dead or alive, the same thing's going to happen on the same day. Is everybody with me? Whether you're dead or alive, the same thing happens at the same time. So here it comes. I'm going to say this a bunch of times tonight. All church age resurrections. And when I say church age, from the time of Christ to now, all church age resurrections occur at the same time at the rapture, before the tribulation. So listen, do you know what that means? That on the day that I am caught up in the air, 
and the graves are breaking open, Peter, Andrew, James, and John are rising along with my grandmother and me. So when I tell you tonight that why do people in the past have the same reward that we do that would maybe not see the grave? Because we're all going to experience the resurrection on the last day on the same day. Are y'all getting it? Y'all giving me that look. We're all going to experience the res what Jesus calls the res, and I will raise them up on the last day, and I will raise them up on the last day. There's one section in the Gospel of John, he says it four times. We're, we're all going to experience it on the same day. Listen, and that, that is the escape of the tribulation itself. The resurrection precedes the tribulation. So, encourage each other. Build each other up just as you're already doing. And if you're struggling with that, stay with me. I'm going to go into it a little deeper. So why did Jesus begin the revelation with seven churches and seven letters? I believe that inside these seven letters to the seven churches are clear instructions as to how you can escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Now here comes the pieces going together. It didn't matter if you were in the first century Gentile church of the Apostle Paul or the church in America in 2022. The resurrection of the last day will equal the same time. So when you pray that you would escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man, the red, we, some will be resurrected and escape the horrors from living a live body. Others will escape in a, the, the coming horrors in a resurrected body, but it'll occur at the same time. The dead in Christ will rise first, but those of us who are alive will then rise with them and we'll both meet the Lord in the air. And after that comes what? The tribulation. Stay with me. Do you want to escape and do you have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church? Because here's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to read all seven letters that he gave the church. Because inside these seven letters of the church, and I'll show you why I'm doing that at the end. Inside these seven letters to the church is the how to escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. It's here. It's in here. It's how to escape. So when I ask you over and over, do you want to escape? Yeah, but I don't want to read the Bible. Then you won't know how to escape because you don't have ears to hear what the Spirit is revealing to you. So Revelation begins. Listen, if you read the Revelation, it begins with seven churches and then all hell breaks loose. In the seven churches is the instruction as how to avoid all hell breaks loose, how to escape. It comes first. Here we go. Ephesus, the first church, Revelation 2-2. I know all the things you do. So I want you to picture as I read through every one of this, the Apostle John and Jesus is standing there and John's writing down. Okay, what was that? He's writing it down. He's writing it down. Here's what he wrote. I know all the things you do, Ephesus. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. So much for tolerance being a virtue. He said, Jesus is saying to the church, I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they're not. You have discovered those people are liars. So much for not judging people. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. Uh-oh. You don't love me or each other as much as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. Now listen, as I go through every one of these, I'm going to keep saying it. Inside these seven letters is the exact instruction as to how you and I can escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. He's saying, you don't love me like you used to. Turn back. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And if you do not repent, if you don't turn back to me, if you don't begin loving me like you loved me first, 
If you don't repent, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Now, anybody want to guess what that means? Do I really need to explain that? I'm going to remove your lampstand from among the churches. I'm going to pull you out. And if inside of this is the instruction as to how you might escape the coming horrors, you might apply that to when he comes and takes away your lampstand. If you don't repent, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this, I have, this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree in the paradise of life. Do you want to escape? Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church tonight? Does this apply to any of you? That you don't love me like you used to. You used to. You used to, have, I used to, you used to devote to me everything, and now I'm a sideline to you. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first, and if you don't, repent. The Nicolaitans. Notice something here. A lot of people read this. They don't understand what it means. He says, you have something in your favor, church at Ephesus. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans. So I want you to know, who are these Nicolaitans and what was it that they did that Jesus said, I hate it. And I've got it, church, you've got this. It's a good thing. You hate it too. What was it? The Nicolaitans were believers. Are you with me? They were believers, church people, who had compromised their faith in order to enjoy some of the sinful practices of the Ephesian society, including idolatry and sexual immorality. The name Nicolaitans is roughly the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Balaamites. Balaam was a prophet who induced the Israelites to carry out their lustful desires in the Old Testament. Second church, Smyrna. I'm going to say it again. All church age resurrections occur before the tribulation. Remember that. Revelation 2.9. I know about your suffering, Smyrna church. And I know about your poverty, Smyrna church. But you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they're not. Because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer, church in Smyrna. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. You will suffer for 10 days, but if, notice the word if. If you remain faithful in the time of suffering, if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. And anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed at all by the second death. The second death, by the way, is when he raises you and throws you into hell. Do you want to escape? And do you have ears to hear? What if I told you tonight inside of those first two churches are clear instructions for the church, specifically how you can escape the coming horrors? Not just of the tribulation, but that which follows the tribulation in the darkness and separation of God in a place called hell. Do you have ears to hear? Severe opposition, jail, prison. Do you want to escape? Third church, Pergamum. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me. Even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among, there, uh, among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate, there's that word again, that tolerance that's supposed to be such a virtue. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teachings of Balaam. What? Idolatry, sexual immorality. Repent of your sins. Or I will come to you suddenly and I will fight against them 
with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that's been hidden away in heaven, and I will give it to each one. I will give to each one a white stone. That means innocent. And on the stone will be engraved a new name, and no one understands except the one who receives it. Repent, or Jesus will fight against you with the word of his own mouth. We're going to be judged by the words of his own mouth. And by the way, I want you to get this. I'm reading them to you. So you won't be able to one day say, I didn't know. Repent, or I'm going to judge you with the words, the sword of my mouth, the, the words of my mouth. And, and you can't say you didn't know because he read it to you. I'll judge you by my own words. Inside my words were the way to escape the horror. Do you want to escape? Do you have ears to hear? Is anybody hearing this? We're on the fourth church, Thyatira. I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, to leave my, lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and eat food offered to idols. You see, that's thir three churches that have been tolerant on the inside with sin. Three churches. I gave you time to repent. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from their evil deeds. I will strike her children dead, and then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed the false teachings, deeper truths, as they call them, de depths of Satan, actually. I love this verse. I do. These people are suffering. It's hard to be in the church. There's a spirit of Jezebel in the church. And here's what he says. For those of you who have kept your robes white and clean, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tight to what you have until I come. I can hear him saying that. I ask nothing more of you than that you hold tight to what you have until I get there. Just, just hold on. Just church, I know right now it looks like we're losing. <laughs> just hold tight. And to all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. Anybody see where this is? After the tribulation, what's going to happen? The thousand-year reign of Christ. All who are victorious, I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. It's the millennial kingdom of Christ. And they will have the same authority I received from my Father. And I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He's saying to the churches. Jezebel's spirit cannot be tolerated in the church. Jezebel's spirit, the Nicolaitans and Balaam, all three are mentioned in these churches. That I have this complaint against you that you tolerated it on the inside of the church. Hold on to the very end. And Jesus will give us a place of authority in the millennial kingdom of Christ. Number five. Do you want to escape? Do you have ears to hear? Number five. Sardis. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Ooh. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Can you imagine standing on judgment day and hearing that? I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. He's saying that to a church. Do you understand? This is a church. 
Go back to what you heard and believed at first. I'm going to hold it up. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly and as unexpectedly as a thief. Yet there are some of you in the church at Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. And they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. And all who are victorious will be clothed in white, and I will never erase their names from the book of life. But I will announce before my Father and His angels, they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He's saying to the churches. Jesus says, if you don't wake up, if you don't repent, I'm going to come to you as a thief in the night. You know what the Apostle Paul writes? The Apostle Paul says that he won't come like a thief in the night to you. He's talking to believers. Why? Because you're children of the day. You're not children of the dark. He's not going to sneak up on you like a, like a thief in the night because you're the generation that's been expecting him. You're the people who have been watching for him, waiting your whole life for him. But he says, if you don't repent and turn to me, I will be a thief in the night. I'll come upon you because you didn't think I was coming. Wake up from the dead. Repent and turn to me. Do you want to escape? Do you have ears to hear? Two more churches. Philadelphia. <laughs> Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. Now listen, I need to focus on that for a moment. He has the key of David. And what he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. I want, to sh I want to show you something. On the day of Pentecost, he opened a door to the Gentile world called the church. And no one can close that door. They have tried to stop the Gentile church for 2,000 years and they cannot stop it. The more you squish it, the more it squirts out and goes somewhere else. <laughs> 2,000 years. So what he opens, no one can close. But one day he's going to close that door. And when he closes it, no one will open it. That day's coming. Listen carefully. That day's coming. Where you have little strength, I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Church age, Philadelphia church, I opened a door for you that no one can close. And I know you have little strength. Here comes one of my favorite specific prayers that, that caused me to start to pray. You have little strength inside this period of time in which the door is open. This door is open. This door to reach the Gentile world, the church age. You have little strength. What can I do, Lord? What, what can I do inside this window of time that you've opened this door to the world to escape the coming horrors? What do you say? I know you've got little strength, yet you did two things. You did two things. You kept my word, you obeyed my word, and you did not deny my name. Two things, my word and my name. Church, these are not for sale. They are not negotiable. The word of God and the name of Jesus. And he says this, look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they're Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. And because you have obeyed my command to persevere, here it comes. I believe this is a direct reference to the church being able to escape the coming horrors. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, church, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to the world. What do you think that time of testing that's coming upon the whole world is that he's going to save the church from? I believe it's the tribulation. And how did they escape? What if I told you that inside these seven churches is the exact detail as how to escape the coming horrors? He says, because you have obeyed my command to persevere. And what's the context? My name and my word. Two things. I will protect you from the time of testing that's coming upon the whole world. And then he says in verse 11, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. 
And all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. And anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Can you see it? Verse 10. Is this the escape from the coming horrors of the tribulation? This is it? Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, you held to the word, you held to the name. Everybody else is leaving the Bible and everybody else is leaving Jesus. But you're saying, no, uh, no, I'm not doing it. Keep the word and the name. Believe both. Why? Because they're the same. Somebody would say to me one day, they said, I believe in Jesus, I just don't believe in the Bible. Then what you really did was you created your own Jesus. Because the reality is you would have no concept of who Jesus is apart from this book. You just made it up. Last church. Do you want to escape? Do you have ears to hear tonight? Can you hear? Laodicea. I know all the things you do, but you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water... Neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Some translations use the word vomit. I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have everything I want. Every time I read this, I think of the modern American church. You say you're rich, right? I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you'll not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone that I love. So be diligent and turn. Turn from your indifference. Turn from your middle-of-the-road attitude. I don't want to get out of the world, but I don't want to be in the world. I don't want to get into Jesus, but I don't want to be considered radical. I'd like to just play the middle. Turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door. Do you have ears to hear? what the Spirit says to the church. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, you have a responsibility. If you hear my voice, you, I have a responsibility. Open the door. He's not going to force his way in. Open the door. And I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. And those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. Another example of the millennial kingdom of Christ. Just as I am victorious and set with my Father on His throne, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He's saying to the churches. Seven churches, seven different messages, but all have this in common. Did you notice? Surely you noticed. Every one of them end with the same sentence. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Do you want to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man? Then listen. Can't be that easy, preacher. Listen. He stands at the door and knocks. If you hear his voice, open the door. Open the door. It's interesting to me that many of Jesus' parables, we studied that I think a semester or so ago, many of Jesus' parables also had the same statement. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The Bible gives clear instruction how to escape the coming horrors of the tribulation and stand before the Son of Man. But do you have ears to hear and obey? Many believe the Laodicea church is representative of the church that will be in place at the time of the rapture. Because it is the seventh church, many people believe, and I, it'd be hard to debate, that it is representative, an example of the church that will be in place when Jesus comes in the rapture. Lukewarm and deceived, having denied the very word of God that could have saved them from the coming horrors. And let there be no doubt, the Apostle Paul told us that the church would be in apostasy 
at the rapture, right? We all know that. Paul gave us specific instructions that the church in the rapture would be in a fallen away condition, tolerating of sin, of the Nicolaitans. What would the apostasy be? It's important that you understand that the word apostasy or the rebellion, and I'm going to get into it in a moment, is a direct reference to something you used to be at, but you're not there anymore. Something you used to believe, but you don't believe anymore. You have moved from your former position. You cannot fall away from something you have not been at before. The apostasy shows that you were, but you're not. In these cases, he said, you were tolerating the sin of the Nicolaitans and the Jezebel spirit. He applied that to Thyatira, Ephesus, and Pergamum. Leading people. Listen, what did that mean? What did it mean when he says Nicolaitans, Jezebel spirit? You, inside the church, led people to think it's okay to participate in sexual sin. We've got a local church. That's all I'll say about that. Publicly sponsoring the Gay Pride Festival scheduled in October in Frankfurt. A church. Publicly sponsoring a Jezebel spirit. A Nicolaitans. Can you read the Revelation and publicly sponsor a Gay Pride rally? Knowing that the Nicolaitans and the Jezebel spirit and the Balaam that is referred to, all three of them clearly define that people inside the church drawing the church to believe it's okay to sin. It's here. Listen, you shake your head. I don't want you to shake your head. I want you to understand that the rapture of the church will take place in the midst of a church apostasy. So if you're thinking that's a far off future event, you're living it. The church is falling away. Deny. Here's the second example. Denying or abandoning the Word of God and the name of Christ and living in a lukewarm deception. So some people in the church say, well, you know, we don't, we don't sponsor gay pride rallies. But you're so lukewarm and self-righteous. And you look at them as somehow they're a worse sinner than you? Really? You know, the church also received condemnation. You say you're rich, but you have no idea that you're not hot, you're not cold, you're in the middle, and you make me sick. You make me sick. Your middle of the road approach to my saving your soul from hell makes me sick. You're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I didn't come here to entertain anybody. Repent and turn to him. Love him like you loved him the first day. And you'll escape the coming horrors. Stand before the Son of Man. Second Thessalonians. I'm going to read it in New American Standard. Now we request you, brethren... With regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to Him. So we know what we're talking about, right? Jesus coming, us getting to Him. That you not be quickly shaken by the composure, by your composure, or be disturbed either by a spirit or message or a letter as if it were from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come. What? Jesus and our going to Jesus. It will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness will be revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God and object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Don't you remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things, and you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. We live in a time in which God has opened a door, and no one can close it. But everyone down deep in your heart, if you'll just be quiet and still and look around, you know that door's going to close soon. And no one will open it when it's closed. Remember the parable of ten virgins? Five went in. They had oil in their lamps. They're not lukewarm. They're not playing some religious stupid game. They went in. The door opened. They went in. Door opened, went in. They went in. Bridegroom's coming. 
They're ready. I've been waiting for you, bridegroom. Where you been? And in that moment, many ran out to get oil. They came back and that door shut. You're not going through the door. You're not going to escape the coming horrors. You could have, but you didn't have ears to hear and you didn't understand when the Spirit spoke to you. Now I'm going to read that same thing from the New Living Translation. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus and how we'll be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision or revelation or letter supposedly by us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness revealed, lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Brings destruction. Brings destruction. What's he bringing? He brings the tribulation upon the earth. When he arrives, it arrives. But if the one who's holding it back steps out of the way before he arrives, then they've escaped the coming horrors. Do you see it? Here we go. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. And don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? You know what's holding him back. He can be revealed only when his time comes. I've opened a door that no one can close, and I will close a door that no one will open. He cannot come until his time comes. It's, the, it's God that's in charge of the door. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it'll remain secret until the one who's holding it back steps out of the way. And then, and after that, after the church has been taken away, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the, with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Why are they on their way to destruction? If you don't hear anything I say tonight, please listen. How did he pull it off? How does he lead people into destruction when the Bible is clearly right in front of you telling everything that's going to happen? How did he do it? He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refused to love and accept the truth that would have saved them. Love and accept the truth. What did he tell the church at Philadelphia? You kept my name and you kept my word. I will protect you from the time of testing that's coming upon the whole earth. Inside those seven churches is everything you need to know to escape the horrors. And somebody told you. Somebody told you. Last verse, 11. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived. And they'll believe the lies of the Antichrist. And they will be condemned. Do you, do you think this is final? This is final. This, you're not getting out of this. And they will be condemned. Why? For enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. The lampstand was removed. It's gone. You enjoyed evil, rejected truth. The spirit of Antichrist has been at work on the earth since the time of Christ. Since the beginning of the church age, the spirit of Antichrist will open, or operate openly, excuse me, operate secretly, not fully out in the open until the church is removed and the Antichrist person is revealed. He brings destruction. He brings the tribulation. If you were here last Sunday, and I know many of you are, I've already dealt with this Antichrist issue. And, and let me tell you, if you think I planned this to be tonight after that Sunday sermon, I did not. I would have never done that because I wouldn't have put them that close together. But the Holy Spirit said, they're not getting it. <laughs> Do it twice. So here we go. I thought about pulling it out and I thought that'd be a bad idea. Dear children, the last hour's here. Anybody hear that tonight? You have heard that the Antichrist is coming already. Many such Antichrists have appeared. From this, you know that the last hour has come. 
these people left our churches. Listen, I didn't get a chance to make as much a deal out of it as Sunday as I wanted to. Why are they leaving the churches? And what's that got to do with the Antichrist? It's the apostasy of the last days. They left the churches because they cannot accept the word in the name. Listen, you've heard the Antichrist is coming. He's already here. Many such Antichrists where we know the last hour is here. These people left our churches. It, it connects the Antichrist to people leaving the church. They left our churches. They never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. And when they left, it proved they did not belong with us. But you're not like that. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all you and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is the liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. And anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So church, listen, you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. Church, listen. You must remain faithful to what you were taught from the beginning. You've got to hold on to the name and you've got to hold on to the word. If everyone in your family, if everyone in your workplace and everyone in your school and everyone that you associate with walks away, you cannot do it. You will be condemned. You will... So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. But what if you don't? What if you don't? And, if, and in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Do you have ears to hear tonight? I am writing these things to warn you about there's people, there's a spirit, there's a spirit of Antichrist that wants to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true, it's not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Do you want to escape? Do you have ears to hear? Here we go, one more time. Every church, listen, listen, because you'll still not give me the look like you're getting this. Every church age resurrection occurs at the rapture before the tribulation. <laughs> I, do another, I might do another session on that one, I think. In the revelation, something happens after Jesus finishes the seventh message to the seventh church. Something happens. The previous verse, I'm going to read Revelation 4.1. The previous verse, the, the verse that precedes 4.1 is Laodicea, do you have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church, okay? And then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. And the voice said, come up here. And I will show you what must happen after this. After what? After the church. And instantly I was in the Spirit. What's happening to John? The seven church conversation between Jesus and John's on the earth. And after he gets the description of the churches, he's caught up. Can anybody see this? After the church's description is taking place, he's called up to be with the Lord. Instantly, I was in the Spirit, and I saw the throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. He's not on the earth anymore, is he? He's not on Patmos anymore. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. The previous section, he was earthbound. Now he has been taken up into heaven. Let me ask you a question. Where is the church at this point? After this, after the church, where is the church? Revelation 4.15. It's a repeat from page one. Let's read it again. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We are still living when the Lord returns. We'll not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, trumpet call of God. First, the Christians, 
who have died will raise from their graves. So I want you to visualize something. First, the Christians who have died will rise from the grave. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. It's not just grandma. Every church age resurrection occurs at the rapture before the tribulation. Before. Stay with me. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There will be with the Lord for how long? Will you ever be separated? No, you, this is it. This is it. This is it. This is the event. There's not another one. Let's wait. No, no this is it. What everybody's been waiting, this is it. Right? So are you ready tonight? I ask you, are you ready for the rapture? Do you want to escape the coming horrors of the tribulation? Do you have ears to hear? Are you homesick? Are you sure? Are you confident that you will escape the coming horrors? If there's a trumpet call tonight, if tonight at midnight there's a trumpet, there's a loud shout and the voice of the archangel and, the, and a trumpet blast, where are you going to be tomorrow? The, the fact is that you are supposed to be sure and certain of where you are tomorrow, today. Are you? Somebody will tell me, well, that would be spiritually arrogant. No, that would be scriptural. Because faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. Faith is sure and certain that he's going to keep his promise. Faith is sure and certain. So 2 Corinthians 5, 6. Is this you? Is this you? So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing, not by seeing. We live by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are fully confident. Is this you? And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. Is that you? So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Is that you? For we must all stand before Christ to be judged, and we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil he has done and we have done in this earthly body. The New American Standard calls that the judgment seat of Christ. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not the judgment of heaven or hell. These Christians are already in heaven at the judgment seat. They are resurrected with, the bo with a resurrected body in the presence of the Lord forevermore. This is the judgment of rewards, where believers will find their assignments for the millennial kingdom of Christ. And while the resurrected and raptured church meet with Jesus in heaven at the judgment seat. Are you ready? Here's the wrap-up tonight. And while the resurrected... From the church age beginning until now, for example. While we're with Jesus in heaven at the judgment seat, the Antichrist will be revealed on the earth, bringing destruction to planet earth. The tribulation arrives with the Antichrist. Now do you see why Jesus told us to pray? Heaven and earth. Verse 33. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors. Keep alert at all times and pray. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be able to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Do you want to escape? In the first verse of chapter 4 of the Revelation, he says to John, come up here and I will show you what happens after this. Listen, maybe this doesn't mean anything to y'all. It means a lot to me. He could literally do that to the church soon. I was reading this today and it just hit me like a rock. He could do that to the church Come up here and I will show you what takes place after this. 
Come up here. That's Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, after the seven churches. Come up here, and I'll show you what takes place after this. Come up here, and I'll let you watch the tribulation from here. So next week, the tribulation begins. Now, I got to be careful saying that because somebody say, well, he said the tribulation was starting next week. <laughs> no, that's not what it meant. Jesus opens the seven seals. If you know anything about the book of Revelation, that's when everything starts. Come up here and I'll show you what takes place after this. What if he did that tonight? What, what if tonight his plan, come up here, church, church, all of you, come up here. I'm going to show you what takes place after you're gone. You can watch it from here. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've opened our eyes, our ears, our hearts. And I pray your Holy Spirit will give us ears to hear and understand what the Spirit's saying to the church. And that here in this place, we'll be ready. We'd be sending out this message of hope, how to prepare for the day we meet you, for your signs are everywhere, that the return is soon, the return is near. So, Father, may your bride be ready. Put oil in our lamps and light in our lives so when that door does open, we'll walk through. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.